Now, this, uh, the sermon series, in case you're joining us for the first time, by the way, we're so glad to have the GC parents here um, on the special weekend. But uh, the, the sermon series we're in is called Love and Marriage, and we've been trying to talk about um, all the way from, you know, uh, being a child and seeing your parents being married and, and, and actually we actually started in creation a narrative of God creating us and then moving toward this beautiful thing that God does in marriage we talked about singleness and how God is sovereign over that by the way when we worship this morning I was so blessed because I know that for some of you who are yet single that you are completely united with Christ and that is a beautiful thing because you are in a great position to enter into a marriage should Jesus desire it for you and, and, and that's a beautiful thing that you're not coming out of a place of brokenness looking for another human to fix you but you're relying upon Christ to lead you and guide you in your life so uh, we talked about being single and then being married and, and uh, coming through these and today we're going to talk um, continue to talk about this but I bet you could identify today's topic this is a uh, next week is the last week in our series and uh, I bet you could without knowing anything you could tell me what today's topic is going to be about and I'll give you one hint. It's one of the leading causes of failure in marriage. What do you think it is? Huh? Money? What else? Huh? Sex? What else? Communication? See, we always name the same ones, right? We've, we've talked, I guess we don't talk about money yet. We talked about money a while ago. It, it affects everything. Um, but, but we talked about sex. But yeah, today we're talking about communication. Communication, which actually is related to sex, isn't it? And, and it's actually related to money, isn't it? If you've been through FPU, one of the most profound things about getting on the same page as your spouse or your finances is you communicate about it. You're not just on autopilot, you know? Um, communication is a leading cause of a failure. Poor communication is a leading cause of failure in relationship. Um, and so today we're going we're gonna to do, th do three things. We're going to set on three passages of Scripture. And I hope what you realize every week in and week out when I get up here and I, and I share the Word of God with you, that I've said to somebody, they go, man, you know, you, I, I hear great things and, you know, it's, it, I heard that you're doing a great job and stuff. And I, I tell them, there's no mystery in this. It's simply reading the Word of God. I mean, if you read the Word of God yourself, if you read it in a small group, if you read it on Sunday morning here, and you, all, you just take it at what He says, it will change your life for the better. And so I hope that you understand that that's what we're doing here. So today we're going to sit on three passages of Scripture that tell us how to not be failures in communicating. Um, I'm going to ask you to join me one more time in prayer. We always end in Scripture in prayer that God would reveal himself to us today. So please pray with me. Father, as we open your holy word, the word that you handed down and then fully inspired for our uh, correction and uh, forming into your purposes. I pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear because we know you're speaking. So just eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying to us individually, as married couples, as families, as the church, that we'd be responsive and become doers of your word, that we might glorify you because you are worthy. Thank you that we're not abandoned children here, Father, that you are present with us give you glory and praise, open your word and our minds to truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a, the goal for today, the goal for today is to 
have successful communication, right? I mean, that's our goal in, in marriage. Um, that's our goal in any relationship, by the way. You know, what, what, most of our problems in, in relationships come out of unintended communication, misunderstanding communication. It, you know, you've heard a saying, making a mountain out of a molehill, right? You, you, you know how this goes. I'll tell you what, by the way, we have all kinds of new ways to communicate now, don't we? It used to be, if you want to talk to somebody, you had to go find them on the planet and talk to them like this, right? But now we have all these communication tools. Everybody's got a phone in your pocket. Everybody's got a, a Twitter account. Everybody's got a, a Facebook account. Um, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, and you're probably better off that way, all right? And, and we go, we're communicating so effectively. And yet, ironically, ironically, a lot of times when I sit with people in their real life and they tell me about the pain and the hurt they have, you know where it comes from? Somebody said something on Facebook. Somebody, somebody emailed me something and I emailed them back and they emailed me back and now we're not speaking anymore, you know? I mean, if you look at the way we communicate, there's just all this stretching of it from face-to-face -to, -face to, to phone. You know, we got Skype, which Skype is cool, you know, but there's still, there's no touch, there's no intimacy, and we call it communicating. And yet we can see, and I hope, you know, just look at your life and ask, is this effective or not? I'll tell you a great example, you know, because it was so profound in the moment to me is that um, one time, a leadership team here, we have an email called leadershipatfamilybc.org, and we've had some communication come to us that way. And that goes to all the team at one time, right? And, and uh, one time we were discussing something amongst ourselves, and uh, I had seen a reply, and I replied to somebody else, and it was kind of just going like seven or eight deep. And all of a sudden my phone rings, and it was Lance Carpenter. And he said, hey, how you doing? I said, good. He goes, so I was reading this, and I want to make sure that I'm not misunderstanding you. And I was so impressed because he had the forethought, instead of doing what I would do, which is try to reiterate what I was saying via email, <laughs> to call me and say, brother, let's just talk for a minute. I think I know your heart, but explain to me what you're saying here. And I talked, and we were exactly on the same page. But you know, we could have just went like, Phew. I mean, we could have just kept going, ad nauseum, right? And I was so impressed, I thought, man, that's how the church should be, moving toward intimacy, moving toward private conversations, moving toward private times of prayer together. You know, don't, don't try to solve your problems on Facebook, right? But get together with someone and, and, and talk and pray and share the burden. This is almost like it's the way God designed us. Almost. But we have a better idea. I'm launching a new site. Oh, I'm just kidding. Really cool. It's really cool technology. I'm not, I'm not a, a Luddite. I, I think it's great. I use it. But I do think that there's a lot of harm. And, and we are uh, not uh, always effective in communicating this way. There's a great quote from a movie that came up. And it goes like this. What we have here is uh, Do you know where that's from? Yeah, some, some, see, that's rare, right? Most of you, I heard that somewhere. Look it up on Wikipedia. It's from Cool Hand Luke. It's a famous quote. What we have here is our failure to communicate, right? I mean, how many times in your life could you say that? How many times in, a, in an intimate relationship with your best friend or with your spouse or with a boyfriend or girlfriend or with your parents, you just look at it and you go, what we have here is a failure to communicate, right? And a lot of times, we say that from our side. We go like, you don't understand me. But here's the truth. You ready for some truth? You don't understand them. 
It's always our side. It's, uh, we are perfectly clear. What we have here is a failure to communicate. You'll remember in the movie when that is said, the failure seems to be on the part of the guy laying in the ditch. <laughs> you know, not the warden. You have a failure to communicate. Now, I think he heard you loud and clear, right? You aren't hearing him. I'm not hearing you properly. So we're going to walk through a few scriptures today. I hope you are ready. Um, I would encourage you. I hope you brought a Bible today. Um, if not, grab one off the end of the chair row that you're sitting in. We provide them. We think it's important to open the Word of God and see for ourselves what God says about how we should communicate. The first thing we're going to look at is uh, something from uh, um, first uh, or from uh, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, right? <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, the first is this. That successful communication, whether it's in marriage or, or, or friendships or anything else, um, and this is the, the biggest deal, so I'm going to start with it first, okay? Successful communication always speaks the truth. It always speaks the truth. And we don't do that well. We, we would rather hide, you know, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, when we sin, we'd rather cover it up than be standing in the light, like John says in, in 1 John. We don't, it's, it's an unnatural for us to be completely truthful. Check this out. Ephesians, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's going to be on 8, 12, Ephesians 4. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to talk about a specific um, passage uh, from it. But th this, is, this is what, I'm going to jump around too, so just follow along with me. You can read the whole thing. I'm just going to do it. This is where Paul writes. By the way, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, right? And he says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, that's Jesus, then I urge you, listen to it, listen to the opening words here of this chapter, to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. You see that? Be completely humble and gentle. Listen to the words. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We're going to skip to verse 7. In verse 7, but each one of you each one of us, grace has been given as Christ, that's Lord, that's Jesus, apportioned it. Now, skip down to verse 11. It was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, that's people who are sent out, some to be prophets, that's those who can speak what God is doing among us, some to be evangelists, that's those who could share good news with others, and some to be pastors and teachers. Pastors are, are shepherds. They're tending the flock. And teachers is nothing more than opening the word of God and seeing what God has said, right? And listen to the purpose of this. The reason that he has appointed and given us grace is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that is Jesus, our Lord, may be built up until we reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Reading on, 14. At that time, we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, or blown here and there with every wind of teaching and every cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Paul says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body joined together with every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. Wow. At the, at the core of this passage, he starts off talking about, you know, the, the calling that we uh, have in our lives. But at the core of it, he talks about instead of all the things that we do, instead of all the ways that we fall for deceit and lies and scheming of men, Instead of all those things, Paul has a simple word. He says, speak the truth. Speak the truth. This is a really hard, hard thing to do, though, isn't it? I mean, have you, there was that movie, what was it, Jim Carrey? It was, uh, it was a liar, liar. Is that what it was? You know, where, where he has to all of a sudden start telling the truth all the time. And it's a funny movie because you go, oh, you did not just say that. And you know why it's funny? Because you think that all the time. And you don't say that. Right? He, what would it be like to always speak the truth? Paul says, instead, speaking the truth to one another. You see, here's the deal with truth. There's, there's no multiple versions of truth. That's the thing, right? Like, we live in a culture where we say, your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth, right? Whatever, you know, find your truth, man. But there is a truth that Paul is calling us to speak to one another overarching principles about who we are, whose we are, and what God is doing among us. You see, the world is not about you. It's just not. It's not about me. The world is about what God is doing among us. I often call this the meta-narrative, the big story. <laughs> you see, we're down here, we're like reading our story, you know. I remember whenever our kids were little, someone gave us for a gift a storybook where the, uh, the name of our children was put in the book. And, and it was on the cover. And I remember I totally looked at it, and they're like, this is about me. You know what I mean? You have a home. Were you guys raised in a home like that? Your parents are here. They're like, you're so cute. It's all about you. She needs a pink room, honey. We need a bigger house. She gets to park in the garage. He gets to go out. You know, he gets to have the Mustang. And I'll drive the beater. Right, dads? Come on. It's time for a Mustang. No? OK. All right. I'm just trying to get that in there, Chris. OK, here we go. So. Um, <clears throat> But we do, we turn it and we go, it's, we tell our kids, listen, we tell our kids the whole time, it's all about you, and we are raised in a environment where it's all about me. And then the word of God comes in and says, wait, wait, wait. There's truth. And it's not all about you. Guess what? And here's the truth. We need to speak truth to one another. Right? I need you to know what the Word of God says, not so you can impress me, but so whenever I come to you and I'm flat wrong, you can say, I love you, but I think you're missing this. I need to be able to hear that from you. Why? The Bible says that our enemy, Satan, is the father of all lies. It says when he speaks, he only speaks lies because he has no other language to use. Therefore, in any way in my life, if I don't know truth, if you can't tell me truth, then I'm being deceived as a child of God. That's pretty heavy. Now, some of you might have friends like I have, right? I've had some friends in my life, and they're like, I always tell the truth. You want me to tell you the truth right now? That's an ugly shirt. That's the truth. 
You want me to tell you something else? This food is nasty, waiter. This is nasty food. Get it out of here. I always tell the truth. I, one time I worked, you know, I worked in IT before, and there was this, this lady that worked with me, and she was a truth teller. I mean, if for anything else you would say about her, it was, it was, she would tell the truth all the time. But she also happened to be the person who our customers called as a first point of contact. That was hard. I mean, by the time they got to us, the best thing about that job was they weren't talking to her anymore, <laughs> you know? Because mostly she was having a bad day. Mostly, you know, things weren't great. Mostly, you were annoying her by calling her at her job while she's trying to play solitaire on her computer. I got stuff to do. She had one of these headsets on, kind of like this. She would talk to people, and I would just go, oh my gosh, pass the call. Just pass the call. I got to talk to this person a minute. Pass the call. And she'd be going, and you know what else? I'll tell you something else happened over the weekend, and it was not even right. And I'll tell you who did it, too. And I'm just like, just pass the call. <laughs> you know people like that? Right? So speak the truth is what Paul says to us. But is that what he means? Is that what he means? I'm going to walk up. And now I want to get into like marriages, you know. There's the old joke about, you know, does this make me look fat? No. My favorite reply actually was from a comedian. He says, no, your fat makes you look fat. The clothes are just on you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I mean, is that not the truth, though? That's the truth. You stand in front of the mirror every day. You're like, oh, my gosh, i got to get some clothes that make this not look like it is, right? Um, I mean, I do it. I'm with you. I, I know it. I know it. I do it myself. Does this make me look fat? Okay. Um, there, are, there are times that we can, uh, we can just go, here's the truth, bam, and then it just hurts people, and it wounds them, and it doesn't heal them, and it doesn't bring a blessing, and it doesn't glorify God, and it, it's terrible. So I want to add what Paul says next, you see, because, and you've already read it with me, and you're like, I knew that already, Bill. You don't have to tell me that, but I want you to see that speaking the truth is not enough. Speaking the truth, like, you know, just running through life, just knifing people with, you know, truth, 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 ha, you know, that's not what God calls us to, because you will wound people. The missing element is we are called to speak the truth in love. You see it there? I want you to look at it with me. Paul says, instead, speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up to him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's meant for you and me. And you see, you have to have both sides of that. Now, let me explain love a little bit to you. And, and you know, we've been talking about love and marriage through the series, and we talk about this every week. But I guess for, you know, the core idea you can get from love, the core idea you can get, we find in John 3.16, because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see that? So in God's economy, where the truth teller lives, he says this, love isn't how you feel about somebody right now. Love isn't something that you're waiting to come back to you. Love is a decision that you have counted others more important than yourself, and therefore you're going to live sacrificially for them. What does this mean? What does it mean then? Great. So you mean I can't just like get her a Hallmark card instead? I have to tell her the truth and do it in love? I have to tell my husband the truth and do it in love? I have to tell my children the truth that the world's not about you, but do it in love? What this means is that when we tell the truth, we always have the other person in mind. This isn't about you getting it off your conscience. This isn't about you at all. <laughs> 
when you have to speak the truth to someone else, you do it always desiring. It's like forgiveness last week. Always desiring what's best for them. That's why it's a sacrifice. You can even go, this is going to hurt. And it's going to hurt me. I'm going to take a risk. And I might die for nothing. But I need you to know that you're loved. And so I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think what you're doing is glorifying to God. I don't think what you're doing is what you were made to do. I don't think that choice you made was a great one. I'm not judging you. I love you. See, it always has the other person first. Now, you get into a marriage, this is hard. Because we talked about how when you're courting, you're always interested and curious about the other person. I and mean, part of the great date series has been about, or the date, great dates have been about learning to in, enjoy your spouse again, be curious. But ultimately, as husbands and wives, whenever, you know, if, 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 uh, whenever um, the Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, it's a love that cares more about them than yourself. It's not about you getting your way or having the wife you've always wanted right? It's about acting in a way that you care more for your husband or your wife to succeed. And I don't mean get a better job or more hours or promotion or a bigger house. I mean succeed in eternal matters. And you, you see it and you go, I don't think this is going to be good for you. You have to speak the truth in love. Now, the flip side is we have to be willing to hear people that we know love us tell us the truth. And this is the problem because as humans, what we do is someone tells us the truth and then we sever the relationship because that hurt. And I don't like you anymore. I thought you were on my side, right? Have you had those conversations with anybody? They are on your side. They're telling you the truth. The word says that God will send people beside us to speak truth into our lives and we should hear that and discern it, don't let everyone tell you, but you know, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I got some concerns, well, listen, pray about that. Go into your prayer closet and say, God, what was that about? Because he's sovereign. He loves you perfectly. And he's trying to conform you to his image. And if every time he sends a prophet to you, if every time he sends an evangelist to you, and you sever and you go, this hurts too much, I'm not going there, I'm not talking about that, I'm not going to change in that way, you are actually rebuking the work of God in your life. And you'll stay the same. But God is interested in staying the same. So, uh, speak the truth and love is what we're called to do. And I hope that you get that. And I hope that it's hard for you. And I hope that when you do it, you do it cautiously. Now, I want to talk about uh, the second scripture here. Oh, look out. That is related to this and is tied very closely into speaking the truth and love. The second thing we're talking about today is checking your motivations before you do this. Right? We talked about it a little bit already, but I want to, I want to share a story with you. Um, this is going to be from, let's pull it up here, from the, the, the book of Acts. By the way, the book of Acts is a great uh, book because it comes after the four Gospels in your Bible. And the reason, there's two names for the book of Acts. One is the, the Acts of the Apostles, and the other is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the truth is that they're both right because the Holy Spirit moves through the Apostles. The Holy Spirit moves through the church. The Holy Spirit moves through you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. I hope you know that. You have no right to speak truth on your own, but God speaking through you has a right, you see. The Holy Spirit can use you 
for the benefit of the church. And that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians. Check this story out. This is going to be in the, the book of Acts, Acts of the Holy Spirit, Acts of the Apostles. And we're going to read through like we did uh, last time here, um, starting in verse 9. And this is what the word says. Uh, and this is like a historical account of what happened. So check this out. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and that all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and they exclaimed. Listen to what they said about Simon. This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with magic. But when, they believed, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, the Messiah, they were all baptized, both men and women. Simon himself came to believe and was baptized. And he began to follow Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. I want you to see what God did in, in Simon's life. You see, Simon had been tricking people his whole life. And he had made a name for himself. And he kind of liked that. He liked being called the great God with his magic. And then here comes someone telling the truth in love. And people hear it and respond and are changed, even to the point that Simon was changed. This story would be easier if Simon wasn't changed. But he believed. And he began to follow. And listen to this, the great magician, right? I mean, have you ever tried to explain a magic trick to a magician? They're usually like, dude, I know how that works already. So I want you to understand that when Simon saw something that God was doing, he was amazed. How did you do that? Listen to what he, listen to what he said. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them and that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not, been, had not yet come upon any of them. And they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands can receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this may not, you go, OK, wait a minute, wait a minute. We were talking about love. What does it have to do with, with love? I, I want to talk about where Simon is at in this passage. He, he had his whole life where he was the man. Then he encounters a force, something he can't explain, and he becomes a believer. One of the translations says he saw the miracles and signs that they performed. He knew it was different than what he did. And he starts to watch them. And he wonders, how can I do that? You know, you might see, we talked about earlier, speaking the truth. You might see that. You might be going, yeah, I want to be a truth teller. You know, I want to tell everybody the truth. That'd be fun, you know. But you look from the outside in at that, and you go, how can I have that? I want that. So Simon, when he sees that the apostles, those who were sent by Christ, had the ability to give the gift of the Holy Spirit, he goes, I want that power. I want to be able to do miracles. And then whenever I touch people, they can become part of the miracle. And then I can do this. And you would think, now here's the trick about this, right? You would think that Simon wanted a good thing, right? I mean, he could have been like, don't believe it, right? Kept doing my magic trick. Woo, look at the card. Look at the ball. You know what I mean? He could have been doing that kind of stuff. But he didn't. He quit. He was amazed. 
So it's not that he had a bad idea. It's not that it wasn't something to be aspired to, even. But he began to wonder, how can I manifest this? How can I, what, what is it really saying? How can I, apart from God's help, do the same thing? Because that looks cool. I don't really want to be, I don't know. You know what I can do? I've, I've, I've done really well for myself. I can take my treasures, my treasures that I've earned, I've earned them, and I can take those treasures and, and I can buy the power of God. Who do we listen to most in our society? In America, the United States of America. Who are the talking heads on TV other than the ones that are paid to be talking heads? It's the people who have wealth, right? I mean, that's who we're listening to all the time. Well, let me tell you how it works. Well, ooh, he, he knows, right? He, he knows truth. Look how well he has done for himself. He can obviously speak truth into my life. You see, here's the trouble, right? Because this is really subtle. But you see what we do. And this is, this is a, a, a good thing that Simon saw. But what he did is he took the gift of God, the ability to speak truth, the gift of God, the ability to impart the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, the ability to perform miracles, and he put it over top of God. And he said, I'm going to circumvent God, and I'm going to use what I have to do this without him. Why? So that I can be over God. Do you see that? Now you go, okay, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say, can I buy that? Because I couldn't afford you know, to buy that, maybe. I, I, but we do it when we say this, and this is the, the warning. Right? We do it when we say, um, I know what's best for my wife. You know how I know? Because she's my wife. <laughs> she's your wife, right? I, I know what's best for my husband. You know how I know? Because I live with him, and I know him better than he knows himself, right? So God has put you in the relationship to speak truth all the time to him, right? That's your job. Truth, 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 right? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And then the husbands, you know, they, 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 uh, they, they pray for that time in your life when you start to be able to get the miracle ear because it has that switch. Uh, I had a husband tell me that just the other day. He said, the, my best favorite thing is that I can just go... <laughs> You know what I mean? That's what we want. Why? Because they're, they're self-appointed. And this is dangerous. Because the motives are wrong. I'll tell you why the motive's wrong. You're not going to believe me. You're going to go, that's not me. I tell my husband the truth because it's good for him. Because he knows what's good for him. Because if he listens to me, it's good for him. I know. Because I, I get that, right? Here, here's, here's the trouble. The um, most times, and this is too true, husbands, most times, when you're trying to speak truth to your wife, it's because I want something done my way. Your core motivation isn't for them or for their growth or for what's best for them. You hear me now? Your core motivation is about me. Because if you would do this, what? My life would be easier. So I will tell him the truth. Wives, the same thing. Core motivation. Best friends, you go to your best friend, and you're going to tell them the truth. Why? Because if they would only agree with me, my life would be easier. I would no longer have to deal with them or share their burdens. I would no longer have to pray for them 
or long for God to change their life because they would have agreed with me and I can move on. The root of that is not love, it's selfishness. And you have to know in your life, if you dare to say, I'm speaking the truth to you in love, that your speech is rooted in the motivations of God for the person you're speaking to. And that's a hard thing. At the end of the day, you don't care if you, they like you or not. We shouldn't. I do. We should care for glorifying God and speaking his truth for their good. And usually that hurts us. You see? People who speak truth all the time like that, like my friend that I work with, you see, it was all about what she was feeling and what she wanted. I would even say, and she spoke out so rashly from a place of woundedness. And although she would tell you that she's just telling you the truth, she's inflicting wounds on you that she had herself. We have to check our motivations. And most especially in marriages, because this is the most intimate relationship. It's this binding together, the two are one flesh. You are speaking about your other half. You are speaking about someone that God has joined you with. And so if we are speaking out of selfish motivations, uh, we are sinning against God. If you come to this place where you can both trust God enough, to speak truth and love and to hear it and to continue to go together, you will be transformed. Why? Because God isn't a liar. He won't let it happen. And at the end of the journey, after that necessary wound of truth comes into your life, you can begin to work together and heal. And the road ahead is beautiful and you trust more, and you bond more. But we don't have time for that, you see, because we are in a hurry. We have a lot of communicating to do. And so we slash and burn. I mean, the people are most intimate to us. Check this out. The last verse I want to talk about is from Jesus' own mouth, right? Someone said to me recently, they said, you know what's interesting about communication? that speaking the truth in love takes time. It takes intentionality. The most hurtful words come the quickest. You hear me? That the things that are going to hurt the most come very fast off your tongue. As a matter of fact, you can't wait to get them out. I think part of that is because the devil is there going, quick, say it, quick, say it, quick, say it. And you're like, I got to say this really fast. Get off my mind because I got to get it. And, you're, and, and someone said this to me. They said, it's like machine gun fire. And you feel good for a moment. And then you realize all the damage you've done. Speaking the truth in love takes time and intentionality and consideration, and you have to do it with discernment and wisdom. Last, last thing here. Check this out. The things that we say are overflow from our heart. Do you know that's true? I told you about my coworker. The things she would say wasn't about the people about her heart. 
If you don't believe me, I want you to hear the words of the great teacher, the great truth teller, the very God who created everything. Look at Matthew 12 with me. I want you to hear what Jesus says here. I'm going to read for context, and I would encourage you anytime if I, if I preach something or I tell you something even in a private study, I want you to go and look at it yourself and say, that's not right, and I'll tell you why. I would love to know why, because I don't believe I have the corner on truth, but I just want to read this in context a little bit and talk about this together. This is what the Gospels record in Matthew. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. They brought Jesus, and Jesus healed him so that he could both, listen, talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? They mean Jesus. Could he be the promised, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it was only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them these words. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided itself will not stand. Let me take a minute here. Do you see what that says? If we're talking about love and marriage, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. This is Jesus speaking hard truth into our lives. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself, and then how can his, his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by the power of Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the very Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What he's saying is that if I'm making things change become speaking truth, it's because God is changing your life. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, and only then can he rob his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather scatters. You see, he gives us two choices. And so I will tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven by men, except blaspheme against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. These are heavy things. Check it out. Jesus, wrapping up this teaching, he says, make, make a tree good, and the fruit is good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. Because every tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil even speak good? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Read on with me. The good man brings good things from the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things from the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Jesus said these things. And he said, if, if you're evil in here, you can't speak truth. If, if you're flawed in your heart, what's coming out of your mouth is naturally what is in your heart. The tree and the fruit, he tells us, it's an overflow. I want to give you a, I want to, I want to have a, share a picture, a picture with you of what this looks like. 
there's no, you know, there's another place in scripture where Jesus says, um, a, a, a spring can't bring forth salt water, and a salt water can't bring forth uh, um, a spring, fresh water. And, and you know what he's saying here is he's saying that the only thing you can do is share what's in your heart. Now I want to tell you where this hits home. We talked last week about anger, right? When we talk about, when we, when we don't speak in love, the issue isn't what you're saying. I've had people say to me, oh, can you believe how those people talk? And I think, you know, at least we know what's happening in your heart. Can we just say for a minute, when you realize that you've done the machine gun thing, you, you, shot, you know, shot your mouth off, as we say, that in that moment of regret, you cannot just be sorry, but you can repent before God. Why? Because Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, why would I give thanks to God? Because he has given you an opportunity of a lifetime. Because in that moment when your heart has poured forth wrath or anger or hurt or bitterness, in that moment you can stand before him and say, where did that came from in here? God, change me in here because I want to speak the truth in love. And here's the deal. God will answer a prayer like that. God will restore a marriage with a prayer like that. God will change your life with a prayer like that. Pure water. That's what we want. Simon wanted to lay hands for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. I got a news for you. When you accept Jesus Christ at his promise, he said, I'm going ahead of you to send a counselor back for you that he could be with you and teach you everything you need to know for life. And that means you and me. If we would receive him, the truth that he is indeed the son of David, he is indeed the promised Messiah, that he is indeed the one who sacrificially showed love for you and for me, not so that we could scorn and reject him and say, that's too hard, that's going to hurt, I don't want to do that, but that we could understand the sacrifice and we could receive it. And then at that point, brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me today, at that point, your life changes forever, not because you've manifest some gift of yourself, you've not thought of a good new idea, you're not even going to put the bumper sticker in your car that says, you know, honk if you love Jesus, you know why? Because he's be in your heart, changing your life. You know what's interesting about a heart that overflows with truth? When it gets to the point that it's overflowing with truth, there's no more room in it for evil. There's no more room in it for sin because he is pouring his spirit out on you and on me. And when we come to that place as believers, we pour forth new water you know what Jesus said? Believe in me and I'll become a new spring that comes up from the inside and you'll never be thirsty again. This is what we want, church. Not some concocted dream of our own. We want the Spirit of God filling us up so that we can speak truth to one another. That's what we want in our marriages. So we can truly love our wife like Christ loved the church. It's high thought, isn't it? And you go, that's great. 
but I'm so far from there, you have no idea. I want to say that today, wherever you are, you can take a step toward that truth. I want to say that today, if you haven't even acknowledged that that is love, that him dying for you, that God dying for you is love, that you could just receive that today. You could say, yeah, I, I don't even fully understand that, but I, I'll take your word for it because you know more than I do about truth. If you don't think the word of God is truth, read it. Go to God with that. Today is a day that you can move closer to love, truth. You know what's funny? A lot of weddings, we do the whole love is patient, love is kind. Love is, you know, not self-seeking. Love does not boast. And then we get into a marriage, and man, we just go. I mean, we just violate. You know why? That's for believers in Jesus Christ. I want to be like that. I hope you do too. Today, I'm going to ask the band to come back up and close us out with a final worship song. I'm going to tell you that where you stand right now, God can move in your life. I want to offer it to you that if you want to come and just be prayed with, come down here and I will pray with you. And not because I have a magic power, because I don't, but God is changing my life and I want you to know the same thing. But you can do it right where you're at. If you're not ready today, you can walk out the door and you can think about these things later. You can read the word later. You can go to a family group and for the first time you can tell the truth about where you are. Please join me in prayer. Father God, this morning we've come into your holy presence. This place, Father, not, you know, the building, but your presence, Lord Jesus. And we want to live there all the time. We've come to know you as Savior, and now we want to know you as Lord and Master, as the filler of our cup, the only one worthy of praise. Why? Because we want to be ready for eternity with you. We don't want to be those who are found before your judgment lacking, grieving the Holy Spirit, and denying God's truth. Father God, in every way, I thank you so much for your word and how it cuts bone from marrow, how it divides our soul and our spirit that we might be renewed. I pray today that in every way possible, you would start in the heart that's praying right now, that we would stop being people who look to others and say they need to get it right, but that we would invite you in to fix us first. Be God to us, that we could worship you, that we could be followers of you, and then along the way, Father, we just give you praise for those who are gathering around us to pray. May you be glorified today. We pray these things in the only name, the only name that can bring this kind of transformation, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray in our Savior's name. Amen.